0: Good evening and welcome to Cherry's Red Army live on YouTube or you might be listening back on a podcast on Spotify maybe because we are now a podcast channel as well. Do subscribe as we head towards 1750 on YouTube and hit the like button on this video. There's a few days between now and the Amex on Sunday. Smash the like button, help this video grow. Interactive chat is open, got lots to talk about, got a solid point at the weekend, so please get your thoughts in the comments and let us know who is joining us, and we are going to try and get Steve Hensman into the stream at some point on this video. Right, let's go around the room. Good to have you back, John Spark. Been an interesting weekend, I tell you what. Have you got a couple of words in how you'd explain how you feel
1: after Sunday? Um uh it's a it's an interesting one i would say just um happy with a happy with a point i think generally after that it would be my would might be my summation um we'll get into it but it was a it was a positive result it was a positive performance and uh I think all my fans are seeing more and more of what could be of this side as we go forward. But thanks for having me on again. Fantastic
0: good conversations to come looking forward to it. Aaron Kay, how are you? You can make the journey to Dean Court. It's unlike you not to be at Dean Court, but to be honest with you with your conditions were a little bit dodgy leading up to kick off. So um how are you doing this evening? Still good conversations to have.
2: Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah, I had a prior commitment managed to watch the the game on delay without knowing the score, which is always hard um, for the three of us watching that, but we uh, didn't look at our phones. So, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, uh, uh, summing up would be beginning to come together. I think moving in the right direction, I'd say.
0: Let's see who's joining us this evening on Monday in the UK. But thank you wherever you are in the world. We've got Stephen Dyer from up north. How are you doing? Omid, good evening. Mark Singleton. Alan is joining us, Mark Cole, Steve is saying hello in the chat, hopefully join us on screens very soon. Fulham fan, Wayne Walden, Morgan Scott, and good to see you, Ben Yusuf. Right, Steve Hensman, we're just going to bring you on screen. Let's see how we're getting on. Steve, how are you?
3: (laughs) Well, hopefully I'm good. Am I back in the room?
0: You are back in the room now. How are you feeling after the weekend? Good to have you on the stream again. OK.
3: Yeah, I'm good, guys. Good to see you. all. Uh, uh, well, um, yeah, it was a good weekend. Good, um, solid performance. And I think like Aaron's just touched on, it's, uh, it's stuff to build on. And we're seeing progression, aren't we? So, yeah, all good.
0: Fantastic. I tell you what, let's get stuck straight into what happened over the weekend. I am going to share this one. We'll get stuck into Bournemouth in a bit, but there were, John, some interesting games over the Premier League weekend. Some teams were thinking they were going to get their first points on the board. Wolves were winning in the first half, but a lot of comebacks, a lot of comebacks from Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City, Aston Villa left it late. An interesting weekend. Forrester kicking off against Burnley as we speak. Some really good results to sort of take note from, from the weekend.
1: Yeah, Sammy must be gutted because we got three three 3-1s. No, four 3-1s, sorry. Um, And uh, none of them involve Bournemouth, uh, or Bournemouth winning for that matter. So, um, yeah, shame on that one. But um, yeah, a lot coming from behind. Liverpool still just, I don't know what to make of them. Five wins in a row where they've had to come Mm -hmm. from behind every single time. Um, Man City can't keep the clean sheets which is really hampering my FPL team uh, but uh, generally a lot of what I expected from this week including I called the Brighton fixture back on 3-1 and a little bit surprised that Newcastle managed to keep a clean sheet against Brentford but uh, for the most part the final results were basically what would have been expected from a lot of people apart from maybe our result but we'll get to that
0: yeah, Eddie Howe got the result that he needs, leading into the Champions League as well. Aaron got over the line against Brentford. Needed a few VAR decisions, but you got there.
2: Yeah, they made hard work of it. I, I did watch. I did watch that game. Um, and uh, Brentford, as we know, aren't they're not an easy side to crack and uh, organise and always offer a threat. And Newcastle certainly were not. Anywhere near the the, the free flowing side of last season yet, but I think for them it was all about getting the getting the win, um, which they did. So really, really pleased for Eddie there. Um, and yeah, as as John said, a lot of other results went to form. I was, you know, I wasn't upset to see Spurs come back and win two one. I thought Sheffield United getting a result there would have put a bit of pressure on us. They would have frogged us. Um, Luton still stock, obviously stuck on on zero points as well. And 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 Wolves, uh, well, we're kind of level with now, just above them on goal difference. So. So yeah, at the moment, uh, yeah, no real, uh, no real surprises. Arsenal getting a win at Everton was was useful as well. Steve Luton
0: might have thought that they were getting very close to getting a point on the board, but they lost out narrowly to Fulham one 0 Yeah, and they're really unfortunate. I thought they
3: they had a period, well, they had numerous chances within the game, hit the post. Um, I, I'm quite. I'd be encouraged if I was a Luton fan because I think there's 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 a there's a well, going to be some points around the corner for them. Um, it's you know they're, they're they're the plucky underdog in every game, and sooner or later they'll they'll get that win or they get a point and they start picking up something, and it'll be a massive boost to them because they have been unfortunate, I think, in a couple of the games. But yeah, it's, um, some good. I did I did say that uh, Brighton going to put turnover Man United. And yeah. so it proved, and I do feel for I, I feel I feel for Ten Hag because I, I think he's a good coach, but for some reason I think the the top down at that club's a bit eh, it's a bit poisonous at the moment, and yeah. it's uh, it's transpiring onto the pitch, isn't it? A bit. So, yeah, work to do for them.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll come back to that in a bit because we're going to be talking about Brighton later on in this stream, but we're going to talk about the cherries. So yesterday we went into that two o'clock kickoff weather conditions were wet sun appeared at stages but it was a good point in my opinion guys in the end i've watched back the highlights again yeah i was there and i saw it with my own eyes chances for both teams i thought we were very very strong at the end i thought there was only one team that was going to win (coughs) it at the end but we got a bit of luck with sterling hitting the post stroke bar with a free kick john Neto made some good saves. He made some standard saves as well. But all in all, 75 minutes of that game for a nil-nil, I was more than happy with.
1: Yeah, I think that I, I was a little bit worried at the start of the game. I think for the first sort of 20 minutes, I really did feel like it just wasn't working for us. Uh, we were very much under the cosh. I feel the commentators that I was listening to were were laying on a bit thick. But generally we weren't really getting much of a foothold in the game and then after about 20 25 minutes suddenly we really came into things i think we had one of our best periods in the game for about 10 to 15 minutes if you look at the uh sofa score momentum bar there's it's a really solid period of bournemouth possession in in the um in the sort of like second third of the first half and from then on, it was it was relatively even, I think, for, for the game for the most part. I think that we didn't create as much as Chelsea did, but that's to be expected. But Neto never had to pull any, as you mentioned, Kurt, Neto ne- never had to pull any sort of like world-class saves off. A lo- all of them were saves that he would have been disappointed if he didn't save, while a couple of them, I think, were quite good. They were all ones you'd expect to make, certainly, if someone of what he's shown to be his shot-stopping calibre. So... um it really, did, it really did start coming together, I feel, in that in, in that game. Um, and a lot of that was due, I think, to individual performances. I think that the system took a while to get going. But apart from a couple, let's say Dango in particular, who's obviously coming back from injury, every single one of the players, I could say, will really started to win their battles and also sort of not make the silly passes, not really overcomplicate things and stick to their jobs. Um, and... It was quite difficult, I think, to pick sort of like your top couple performance because so many have really shone in that game. So it was a uh, it was really positive to see in, over over the course of the 90 minutes.
0: Yeah, Steve, there were some strong performances in there. I'll show you some graphics on the, in a moment to show their statistical performance and how they rated. The Dangu Utara for me was was the main standout in in the any player that struggled and it it sort of went back to the Leicester game last season, where he started on that left, his crosses weren't coming off, his passes weren't coming off, he was getting frustrated. Then he got whipped off. And I felt like 10 minutes leading up to half time, I would have switched Tavernier and Dango Utara just to switch it up, give him a different side, give him a different fallback, just try and get some confidence into the lad. Look, we went in at half time nil nil, we weren't losing the fixture, but it felt like Dango was getting a lot of heat on him from the stands every time he made a mistake.
3: Um, don't, uh, well, I don't necessarily know a lot here. I think, like, as John's pointed out, he's coming back from injury, and yeah. I think we can allow him uh, not to be up to full speed. I was surprised to see him, to be honest. Um, I didn't think he'd be back as quickly as he's he's come back. Um, don't forget, he's still very, very young, one of the youngest. And I don't know. Yeah, he's never. He didn't have a good, like you said, he didn't have a good time at, at, over on that side against Leicester. Uh, maybe it was a case of that again, but I thought for it, it. I know we weren't in it for the sort of uh, maybe like John said, first twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes. But there was a really like initial period of play where we did create a chance, and he was on the end of it and was very close to scoring. Mm. So it's encouraging that even though he's had that injury and it's not his probably not his most effective side, he's still showing a little bit early on to try and get in there. And I thought he tried hard. It just wasn't coming off for him. And that just, for me, was rustiness. Um I, I'll just put it down to that. I didn't think just allow it... You're probably right. He should have come off at half-time and we should have changed it up for one of the lads that's been playing well. But um but barring that, like you've said, I mean, it was... It was pretty For a man, everybody had a really good game. Um It's really difficult to put, sort of say anybody apart from Dango put in a poor show. I mean, there's some of these players that we've sort of been... have gripes with over the p- past few weeks with this and that. I thought everybody... Um, Lewis Cook, Lloyd Kelly, obviously, who's had his critics. He was excellent. Um, I mean, all around the pitch, Aarons was absolutely outstanding. Um, Christie was everywhere, as he usually is. Dom was, you know, put, I mean, there was a period of play in the beginning where I saw with, <laughs> Dom Solanke ran back from the opposition penalty area, almost to our own penalty area, chasing back somebody to regain the ball because yeah. Billing had sort of lost it in turnover and was out of position. I mean, that's a sort of uh, commitment the lads are now showing all over the pitch, and it's great to see.
0: Aaron, Mark Cole says performances have to be high now with the quality on the bench. I think we've yeah. had our reservations about Lewis Cook at times. Not that he's not a good player, but is he that enforcer? Can he do it week in, week out? And Luke Andrews says here, best game Lewis Cook has had for a while. I thought Max Aarons was in beast mode yesterday. I thought he dealt with Mudrick very well. I thought he then dealt with Sterling at times. I thought Kirkes grew into the game. Some really strong performances. We'll come to Lloyd Kelly in a moment. But there were good performances coming together as the game kicked on.
2: Yeah, like the others have said that no one really had a bad game. I think we've touched on Dango. I said uh, he was rusty. I was surprised to see him start. Great to see him back, by all, by all means. Um, but very surprised to see him start, um, given that he obviously hadn't had any game time since pre-season. Um, but I think it just shows that Andoni wants to play with as much pace as possible because, you know, Brooks is using form. Semenyo has been great this season. Klaiver has been absolutely great. Uh, finally's has come on. I thought he was brilliant in his little cameo as well on the right. So... Um, you Know I was thought and Semenya and Brooks were a bit unlucky. Um, but uh, he started with Dango. But yeah, I thought generally that's the that's the quality on the bench now, isn't it? Because Troy didn't even get on, you know, Mepps and Keith Moore didn't even make the bench, you know. Um I think that's gonna be a struggle for Keith for the rest of the season. Meps, I think, will <laughs> he's not gonna be particularly happy either to be on on the bench. Um, but that's the problem. And then when Scotland um Adams come in, then two more are going to be off the bench. But look, these are good problems to have, and I'm sure there'll be injuries throughout the season anyway. But, but yeah, really solid. I can I concur with what you say about Max Aaron's. I thought he was outstanding. Um, Kirkes was up against a very informed Sterling, so I think he, you know early on got the better of him a couple of times. But I think, as you say, he grew into the game and, and then nullified that threat. Um, and yeah, Zabani dealt very well with Jackson on the whole. I thought his distribution sometimes wasn't great, but his defending was very very good. Um, and you, you just touched on Lloyd Kelly, who I thought was outstanding mm-hmm. and shows, you know, when he's in that form, he's, he, he has to be the first team in the defence. I think a lot of us thought Zabani and Sanessi would be the, the first choice to this season. They might still be in many games and, and I wouldn't have a problem with that. But when Lloyd Kelly's in that sort of form, you know, his agility, his speed and some of his passing through the lines, which I often criticise him for, was, was absolutely outstanding. Um, especially the second half, he was pinpoint passes to playing through those lines, which was brilliant. And Lewis Cook, yeah, another player who, who I've, I've had issues with, not you know, necessarily because I don't rate him as a player. I'm just not sure where his best position is. But I think, you know, we all again forget if Lewis Cook can get back to how good he was, he was, you know, one of the first teams on the team sheet. And we used to be, yeah. you know, cry when he wasn't in the, in the starting lineup. So, yeah, outstanding. And I think with Adams breathing down his neck, that's probably what's brought that on. And, um, yeah, competition for places, as we know, is going gonna, is gonna to push players on even further.
0: Excellent comments and chat going on in the chat and we'll come to some of them in a moment. John Neto, again, someone that I'm comfortable with as goalkeeper, especially this season. I do think we need to have a plan for maybe next summer to look at recruiting if it's not Mark Travers. On some days, he can frustrate, mainly not catching enough, but I've said that enough. But when he's having a good day, reactions, made two or three good reactive saves yesterday, commanding good captain. He had a good game yesterday, Neto, and got Man a match inside the stadium.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think inside the stadium maybe... <laughs> Personally, for me, he wasn't my man out of the match. I mean, he may, maybe he was in my top five performers, but as I mentioned when I was sort of briefly going over the game, none of those saves were world-class. All of those saves was ones he should have made, and if he hadn't saved them, we would have been laying into them. and <laughs> We would have we would have been making If we'd lost that one nil, and he hadn't maybe got down to the right to save that Gallagher shot, which was mm. one of their best chances that Gallagher definitely should have put away, um, which, if you go back to that, I did love Kirkes' blocking of entirely one side by just throwing himself in uh, sort of in any direction he could towards the ball. Um, yeah, if, if he hadn't saved that, we would have been hammering him for it because it's the save that he needs to make. So um, yeah, it, it was it was. It was effective in what he needed to do, but he needed his defence at times as well. It, when he made that um, save from a header that he sort of just pushes up into the air, which admittedly he should have tried to claim for, I think it's Aaron's head is it out, and it's that chance that Sonessi has to dive in the way of to, to prevent him from going in. Uh, it without when Kelly makes a good se- a block against Sterling earlier in the mat- in the first half. Um he did everything that he needed to do and he did it well. Um as, as when it showed up, his stats there, although you know, you gotta look at fall on balls, one accurate, one accurate. Um, it is some of his passing that hasn't has been letting him down a bit at times. But the simple balls around the back, I think he did really well. A couple that I was worried he'd mess up, he got perfectly right. So um a very competent display from Neto, and that's and that's what we need to see from our captain and leader at the back. So, Steve.
0: Someone was back in the team for this fixture. Lloyd Kelly was speculation about potentially leaving the club on deadline day, then wasn't anywhere to be seen at Brentford. Back in the side for Sunday against Chelsea. And I said, if the stance is clear by the club, you play for the badge. What did he do yesterday? Well, he shut me up. He played for the badge. (laughs) I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was commanding. I thought his ball distribution got better as the game got on. You can see a performance like that and see why Ange Postacoglu potentially wants him in a Tottenham side very soon.
3: Yeah, and you can see exactly why Eddie bought him in the first place. And, And, um this is what I said. We saw performances from Lloyd when he first turned up and he, and he almost felt like a ready-made replacement for Ake. And that was really high praise because we know how good he was. And it just, it was all about, it's all, well, it's always been with Lloyd. It's just been about consistency um, and getting a run in the team, in a position, which he didn't really get to start with. But he started, you know, obviously the last few years he's, he's had that, but it's just the consistency of performance. I mean, if he plays like that, like he did on Saturday, week in, week out for us, I mean, you know, we, that's, that's one hell of a, a bonus for us because he is like, he's well worth any, any sort of money at the moment playing like that. Um, you know, it's a massive boost for us because, like we say, it's difficult to find the left-sided centre-back who's quick, who's strong, who's got a good range of passing. He has all these attributes. But it's just getting him on the pitch at one time consistently, week in, week out. Um, I keep saying it's confidence with him. And I think hopefully what's happened with the Spurs thing is that, I don't know, maybe he did want to go, who knows? But whoever, the, the way it worked out, he stayed with us. And I just hope someone's put their arm around and said, look, we want you to be the mainstay in our back four or, you know, an integral part of it. And we know what you can do. Go and show us it. And we'll put faith in you. And, you you'll you know, you'll get
0: you'll get the rewards with us. It offers an interesting question, Aaron, because the club will clutch on to potentially getting a new deal for Lloyd Kelly, whether that has a, a release clause in it as well. If he performs like this week in, week out and helps us grow up the table and then leaves, people will have their own thoughts about it. If that happens, though, and he does end up leaving next summer and Senesi's not getting a lot of game time. Have you got two problems?
2: Well, I mean, everyone's got a everyone's got a fight for their place. I think it's certainly ahead of Meps at this stage. Um, so, and I see him playing a big part this season. As far as Lloyd goes, I think Steve's right. I think if he carries on playing like that week in week out, we could we could get a hefty fee for him in January if he's not going to sign a new contract. Um, at that stage, we obviously want him to carry on playing throughout the season. But then, as you say, if he's not going to sign a new contract like Phil Bill did, then um, then we'll lose him for nothing in the summer, potentially. And, and maybe that's what we'll do. But, um, yeah, uh, he's when he's like that, he's he's worth a lot of money. Um, and I guess well, time will tell. But I think for now, we've just got to concentrate on him playing as best as he can, at least until January. And then we go from there um, because he's our player now. And, and we'll see.
0: More of that. Lloyd Kelly. Absolutely love it. Omid says, much of the day even said our bench was stronger than Chelsea's. They certainly did. Don't want any excuses for Chelsea, though. We deserve that point. John, coming to you off the back of this. Ben says, billing less impact. True. But we have Christie, Brooks, Cliver, who all look like they can play in that number 10 position. So we're against sports. So some good Thoughts in there for Christy. We could spend all night, guys, talking about lots of players from yesterday. But Christy, again, run his heart out. Brooks came on and tried. Private, I thought, had a good impact. And I was thinking he was shouldn't have been the first sub. But, he again, he, he had a good impact. Coming to you, John, actually posing a future video for you, potentially. Planting a seed there. Philip Billing. I do want to have a conversation about Philip Bing, right? Jonathan Woodgate found a way to get some positive stats on the board with Philip Billing by playing him higher up as a number 10. And he's delivered season on season since that point. You've mentioned, I think, in previous Sparky Stats videos that you expect Billing to play more of a deeper role. And I don't want this to come across negative, John, because Billing again worked his heart out yesterday. He did a a job for the team. He pressed. He turned the ball over. Do you know what I'm worried about now, John? He's not entering the box. He's not having shots. I'm hoping you can tell me he is having shots, but he's not getting into chances where he can score goals. I know he had the free kick just outside the box, but what billing do you want? Because I think I want a billing that gives me seven goals, but other fans might want a billing that is like another Christie.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, and I mean, you're right. You only had, I think, is that one shot? I'm trying to look for trying to look at the stats now just to pull out what shots, but no it's it's had two block shots, one of which obviously was in the front of free kick but there's two things I'd say is the first of all right now, who else are you gonna play in that deeper role because you either play you either play um next assuming cook plays as the deepest one you either play rothwell Christie or Billy next to them, and out of those okay, you might want Billing further up, but I'm far more comfortable with Billing playing as the deeper one of the of the, the playing in that eight role, which is meant to be a little bit more box-to-box than just sitting back. Um, and secondly, given the opponents that we're playing, particularly when you consider Chelsea and, and what they do have on the break if they want to really push it, which and they did have a few opportunities they should have done more with on the break, is that you want someone like... Billing, who is better at anticipating, I think, and making interceptions, in the position where he is a little bit deeper to help prevent those counter attacks, better than you would imagine Christie would. I think in in games going forward, until you see Alex Scott and Tyler Adams come back, because when they do, I think Billing may well replace Christie as the ten. I just feel he's the better option, the eight at the moment. Um, I think when the games get a little bit easier, you will see him get into the box a little bit more. I do agree because there were there were, there was one moment in particular where I just thought the ball was there was a there was a cross that failed, came back out and another cross went in. And Billing, when the second cross went in, was just about coming close to the edge of the box. And I just thought, I want to see him in there when he wasn't. But when you're playing against these better teams, I think he's just been told to not be as adventurous going forward. When we play teams that we've got a better chance of beating, I reckon you'll see him get in a little bit more. But you're right, it is It is the one to see him getting in the box a little bit more and being a little bit more creative from the deeper positions. Whilst, yes, he scored seven goals in the Premier League last season, he only got one assist. He wasn't really creating massive numbers for us. But then in the championship, he got 10 and 10. 10 goals, 10 assists. He needs to, I think, be given a little bit more freedom if he's going to be that sort of like more aggressive player, he needs to be higher at the pitch to get the assists, but he needs to be making those runs to get the goals with neither of which he's doing. And I understand the frustration of people in that, but I just think that at the moment I'd rather be a little bit more secure and have him being able to spread passes around. Cause I think he is one of our best, technically one of our best players we've got in our entire squad. And he can do a lot from the central midfield position. He's obviously just not getting the goals and assists. And a lot of, play, a lot of fans won't like that. And I, I can see the comments in here. You're talking about it now. Other fans will talk about it. Why isn't Billing getting goals? Why isn't he playing further forward? He just is so good at everything. He's doing a lot that I think a lot of people aren't necessarily paying as much attention to because he's just not getting the statistical numbers. Later on in the season, I reckon we could see, see him in the 10 when Alex Scott is playing in that position instead. Erin and Steve, do you have any thoughts on this as it
0: hit your brain yet that you're seeing Billing doing a good job, but not doing the job that we've seen him do. And if you remember, because we're not adding enough goals around the team in the last two or three years, he's had to step up and score those goals. Now, maybe Andoni, and I know John's highlighted this before, that Andoni looks for his wingers to score goals. And at the moment, Tavernier's coming back. So we hope he starts hitting the ground running. Sinisterra might start adding goals. Cliver starting to look more bubbly. Dom was so close to getting two in two. But if they're not scoring, that's when I look at Billing and go, I want him entering the box.
2: Yeah, yeah. go on, Steve. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, you go. There you go for it.
3: Um, yeah, it's it's a difficult. What I saw from him yesterday is he was he was literally all over the place, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that as in he was he was doing so many things yesterday, um, and and you can't fault him for that because it was obviously you know he's been asked to do that. He's been asked to break down passing lanes and intercept and be part of the press and all that. And it's taken away from what he was doing, like, as John sort of said before, and then when he's got the numbers to back it up. I mean, I saw him out wide like, quite a bit yesterday. In the second half, he was going down the left-hand side quite a bit. So it's sort of taken away from him, getting in that box. I, I'm in a bit of a quandary with it because definitely in the first half when we were trying to do our press, I did feel that he was the one that was kind of letting it down a little bit. Uh, he and was, He was kind of just a little bit behind the rest. Like Dom, Christy, um, Tav was very good yesterday. I, I thought Dango and, and Billing on the other side weren't necessarily as on it as the other, as the other three. Um, even Lewis was, you know, whenever someone came short in, he was following them up the pitch. I just felt they were slightly behind. He grew into it. But as we've always said, I just don't. I know he's got the interception numbers and he likes to break up the play with his long legs and get in the way. But I just think when he take it, when he has to concentrate on the defensive side a bit too much, it does take away from that attacking prowess he has. So many times yesterday, I was just, especially in the second half when he got in and around the box. I was just pull the trigger, Bill, have a shot because we know you can hit it. Um, and it, I don't know, just wasn't, just didn't didn't fall to him. Whatever did just, it, but he would rather play that pass and have a shot. I don't know if that's a style and and only wants to do with the ball. But I thought, of his Viacano days, they were sort of shoot on site. They were, they were sort of, yeah. They would, He wanted them to do that, and I just felt he was a. And the same with Dom to some effect. They don't seem to be shooting as much as I thought they would be. So I don't know if that's the, if that's something he's being asked to do. But I'm struggling when they're all fit again. Who, it, it, yeah, it's really it's it's a difficult one whether Bill actually is an actual shoe in because yeah. I'm not so sure that he he definitely is.
0: Someone might say it's a good headache. Someone might say it's a good headache. Well, Aaron, let's just finish the Chelsea review on the basis that I walked out of Dean Court thinking, nil-nil, no goals. But I watched a team that right to the end was trying to win. Subs were coming on, trying to win. We weren't trying to hold on. We could have thrown it away if Chelsea had found connections better in our penalty box, but we tried to win and I'm all for that.
2: Yeah, it was like a basketball game at the end. We were going for it, they were going for it, and it was it was lovely to see. Yeah. Um yeah, I think you know we weren't going to settle for a point and it didn't look like we were trying to um to the detriment of we got we could have got caught on the break quite a few times. Um and I thought we were going to be punished for that. Cole Palmer, Sterling, um Gallagher all had chances towards the end the cats because we were flying forwards. I mean, I think even Lewis Cook was like flying forward on the right wing at one stage, and um, through ball. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, at that stage, it's probably the worst thing you could possibly have done is just float it into I, the goalkeeper's hands. I was um, saying
3: pass it wide, pass it wide, to, and then I saw the number four and I went, Oh, no, yeah, no, nice to, <laughs> yeah, of all, of all people.
2: Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that was lovely to see. And I think, I think that's, that's what we're seeing from Andoni is that he's, he, you know, he, he's willing, well, it's not willing to sacrifice a point to get three, but he's, he's not prepared just to to settle, for, to settle for a point as much as possible. Um, but yeah, I'm just going back to billing very quickly. I think it's as, as they said, it's more necessity, it's more need that he's playing deeper. I, I don't think he, he, he's, you know, I don't think even Andoni wants him to play there. I don't think he particularly wants to play there, but we're very, very sure at the moment. Of, of more defensive steeper midfielders um that's just a fact um and um and obviously he's going to be in the team at the moment but i i do i do worry for him going forward i i can see where john's coming from that we, i think adams and scott assuming they're shoe and billing in the number ten is perfect because for me he's the best finisher at the club still but then it's very difficult to drop christie at the moment because he's he's the engine in the team and um and Arioli uh, loves him as well quite quite rightly so 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 one of them's going to be out
3: well, like Kirk said, it's a massive headache because mm. we've none of us have actually seen Adams or Scott, so no. we're all sort of predicting that they're just shoo-ins.
2: Mm. They
3: may not, you know. And Lewis Correct. has stepped yeah. up. Yeah. Lewis has stepped up. Christie's stepped up. We know what Bill can do. It's an absolute. Traore is not even getting spoken about. Really, it's ridiculous. I mean, somebody mm. mentioned in the chat there. We've got such a. Uh, uh, yeah, Paul. Some, uh, our, our midfield is ridiculous. And yeah. and Rothwell, another another guy that's <laughs> it was never let us down.
0: Mm. You know, it's a real headache. And they're all performing because they all want yeah. to play for the badge and they all want to be on the pitch. So it was Bournemouth Neil, Chelsea Neil, a solid point, but it will be Brighton next. Do you want to thank the amazing support that we get on the channel, especially from you, the monthly members, or anyone who donates, you can donate or become a member at buymeacoffee.com slash army. details in the description below we appreciate anyone who's joining us on the podcast for the first time do follow us on that audio platform but we now will sm- switch our focus to the Amex on Sunday to take on a very very good the Brighton team Do smash the like button. let's have a quick look at the Premier League table. At the bottom is Luton Town with Burnley currently playing against Nottingham Forest and Everton in the bottom three. AFC Bournemouth are 15th, Chelsea 14th, Manchester United 13th. And our next opponents, Brighton, are currently 5th and they will also be in Europa League action this Thursday. Talk about that in a moment because I wonder if that can play a part. But do you know what? Guys, I want to start off, right? Massive, massive respect to Brighton. I said it on Twitter today, right? Bill Foley's talked about the model. I think we've all talked about the model, the way they go about their business, the way they recruit and then sell for £100 million. Roberto De Zerbi... Is a proper manager, by the way, a proper head coach who is building his own path to probably being right at the top of the Premier League and probably take over from Pep Guardiola. Going to show some absolute numbers because I know we've spoken about his predecessor, Graham Potter, before. Aaron and Aaron, I know you've you've liked Potter at times pre-Chelsea. You you thought highly of him. Just look at some of these numbers. I mean, these numbers, even for Brighton, beat what he did what Potter did for Chelsea. So he's taken over Brighton and, and and taken them to another level, John. His numbers across the board from every club that he's been at has generally been across, and, and he's, he's he's achieved over the average with teams that are not world beaters. This guy is very good. I was envious at one point until we got Areola, but he is a, he is a very good head coach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and while the others can talk about... Um... The derby and and the and the amazing football they're getting the played. I think just Brighton as a club in general is one of if not the best run club in in the world at the moment. I don't think it's even really much debate either. The only ones, that, the only other one that's right up there is Man City, um, certainly in England. Because when you look at Chelsea, Man United, even Arsenal at times, all of the bigger clubs, Spurs, all of these big clubs have gone through lulls. All bar basically Man City, and Brighton have lost a man- have lost a really important manager to them. They brought in a new one, made a lot of money off Chelsea, and didn't stop. They sold Basuma to um, Tottenham. Their replacement, Caicedo, was already in the door. Caicedo is lost, but they were they lose Caicedo, but they make a profit of 111 million on him, um, and they already have. Brought in De for free, who can cover in that position, or they bought Baleba from uh, from League A, who they're expecting to be the one that really takes that position up. They lost Alexis McAllister. Doesn't matter. They already having Ciso in the squad. The the ability to just refresh by basically completely preempting the great players and already having their replacements in the door, played for them for two years, and are well and truly accustomed to the system is just so incredibly impressive. Almost every team you talk about going through a transition, we're going through a transition, we're very much walking through it and it looks like it's going to be working out well, but we've completely changed our style and brought in a bunch of new players that are completely learning this system along with the, the current ones. Brighton haven't had to worry about that for five years. Everything just floods through and maintains. From the top down, they have a plan and they're working it brilliantly. And every club that wants to be in the position that Brighton are in are looking at them as their model. You know, Newcastle took their director of football and they're trying to make their model. We're looking at them enviously. Every club in the football pyramid is looking at Brighton enviously. Um, and it's, it's such a credit to, to what they're doing. And, and above all else, they are probably the most exciting team to watch in the league. Um it's just you you really could not get it any better as a football fan. Um, and it's very envious uh, of, of all their of their fans. So, Aaron, I then head over to Brighton stats
0: to try and find something to give me hope. And this is what they're doing right now in the Premier League: five matches, 15 goals, seven goals conceded, 12 assists. They dominate the ball on average 63 percent. Here comes the hope, Aaron. Is it enough hope? They haven't yet kept a clean sheet. We might score.
2: We might well score, especially the way we're playing. But um, I think the, the, the only hope we've got, I think, are twofold. Number one, that they are prone to off days. Last season, they got spanked by Everton and Everton were dire. They lost at home to West Ham this season I know West Ham have obviously started the season well but they you know West Ham didn't win at our place and so they won at, um, they won at Brighton um, and so they are prone to that um, and the fact as you already alluded to they're playing on Thursday night in, in Europe um, albeit at home unfortunately but they are they are playing in Europe on Thursday so that gives them two and a half days in between our game I'd like to think they'd probably play a strong team in Europe because why wouldn't they Um so will there be some rotation against us? Because it's only little old Bournemouth. Who knows? Um, so that's our hope. Because if Brighton click, we haven't got much of a chance. Especially they'll, they'll, they'll play through our press like knife through butter because that's how they play. And um, it and that's not that's not saying bad things about us because you know why should we change our style? We're not gonna we're not gonna sit back against them. And I just think they're that good um, at the moment. Uh, or they can be that good, should I say. But as I said, they 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 are prone to off days. They have got a game on Thursday night. Um, and at the same time, you know, we're improving the whole time. So I, I certainly think we can cause them problems.
1: Here's but the thing, is... though, as well, on top of that. Sorry, Kirk. Aaron mentioned hopefully they make rotations. They made six changes yeah. <laughs> between the, the team that exactly. beat Newcastle and then just completely rolled over Manchester United at Old Trafford 3-1. Like, that's the scary thing about them. It doesn't matter who they bring in. They could play their entire youth team and they will know exactly how to play and they'll pass mm-hmm. around our press. That is how scary they are. Yeah, we're
0: not giving much hope to Cherries fans at the moment so I'm interested to see what the early score predictions might be in about 10 minutes time. Steve, you talked about it earlier on. You predicted it as well. Uh, they went to Old Trafford. They absolutely played Manchester United off the park. The press was in Im- by the likes of Rashford and you've talked about our press at times not being on it that team that played against Manchester United they acquired them to the cost of 17 million pounds and it's quite amazing what they're doing at the moment I'm clinging on to the fact that football can sometimes be football and we might just get something but yeah they absolutely smashed them on on the day last weekend yeah I mean yeah, there's, there's always a case to say that we might get the rubber of the
3: green. Something early might happen that really impacts the game, like they get a man sent off. But, I mean, you're, you're grasping at straws there a little bit. What I find even more impressive with them, and I, I'm not trying to blow smoke up their arse, you know, is that not only have they got this conveyor belt of young talent, like we spoke about, they've got, they go and buy sensible, good professionals as well, like the likes of Lalana and Milner. Uh, they've still got well back there. Pascal Gross has been phenomenal for them for many seasons and still continues to be. Tarek Lampty just hasn't hardly kicked a ball last season. And he turns up, again, plays against Man United like he's never been out the side. It's, it's, and he played on the left. Yeah, I know. And it, it, you've, this, is, this all has to be down to Serby, I'm afraid, because usually when you get someone comes in who hasn't played for ages, they, they're a little bit rusty, they take a bit of time, but they're obviously all so well-drilled. It is a scary prospect. But like we said, we've we've been improving game on game. Um I don't think we were blown away by them last season. I thought we were very much in that game last season. And for a bit of decision making at times, um, we could have we could have got something. I know they they dominated the ball, but for clear-cut chances, I thought we we kept at bay for most of the game. Um and like Aaron said, West Ham went there and hit them on the counter, which was very effective actually. Um and they are susceptible they're not you know they're not infallible um so there's there's all you know I I'm, I'm not going so if we if I if we win that's me out for the rest of the season I'm done <laughs> but your problem
0: is your problem is I'm going I'm going so oh, right we on. have got a massive issue on our hands I can't I can't help that um, in the chat do do we think there'll be many changes from the starting lineup from last weekend, from yesterday on Sunday, with those good contributions off the bench from Cliver. Do we think there'll be any changes in the chat to the starting lineup? Aaron, what does, does what does I nearly said it? What does Iriola do for the Bournemouth side? I don't know if Adams will be fit yet. Sinistera came mm. on and didn't really get into the game enough. What does Iriola do?
2: Um I imagine the, the back the back four would be the same. Um, uh, Lewis Cook will... Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think Tyler Adams will be back. Um, so assuming he's not, then then Lewis Cook will stay in. I don't expect any change in the midfield either. I think that the one change might be Dango, probably will be Dango coming out, I imagine. Um, I think Tav will clearly stay in the team as, as long as he's fit. So I'd, I'd make one change. and But who that is, I don't know. Because if you put Tav on the left, there's an argument for Semenyo to come in because... You know he he's got the strength, he's got the directness. He, he he was he was brilliant the first few games of the season. Um, and he's got a hell of a shot on him as well. Um, and can can beat players of power. If you're looking for a bit of more of a cuteness, then you're gonna you know and Brooksy, but you know Brooksy as we know hasn't got the pace or the strength, but he's got the goals and he's got the the, the flair and the creativity. Or Cliver, you know, who deserves maybe a spot because he he did he did pretty well at Brentford and then he his cameo. I mean, change the game really, and, and think what match where they uh, Matt actually pointed out for once they actually mentioned us. But they pointed out that you know when he came on, Dom, Dom had one one touch in the opposition's box in the first half and twelve in the second half, but nine of those came after Klivert came on the pitch and started making things happen. So um, that's where we're stacked at the moment. Great options. I didn't even mention Sinister. Um, so, so there you go. But uh, yeah, Dango will come out for me. Any of those people could come in. That's the only change I could possibly see, really, at the moment.
0: I do wonder, John, if Semenyo might be better on the road, weirdly, whether we're going to have that counter-attacking game and get pace in the side at home. We might try and dominate the ball a little bit more. I don't really know. Semenyo didn't get into the fixture against Chelsea, did he? So I wonder if Semenyo does play a part
1: on Sunday. Possibly. Um, I think that... I think I can definitely see why um, Iriola played Dango and Tavernier, because I would think out of all of our wingers, they have the best combination of pace and defensive work rate. I think if he was going to play two wingers where he said they will track backwards hard and they can also run the other way to get counterattacks going and they have the skill to do something they're kind of like the peak of what we've got available right now um and for that reason i could see him keeping even if dango had a really poor game for me and i do think that when someone's coming out from injury particularly the likes of how raw dango is where he can do about five basic things completely wrong for a while and then he'll make a great run or a decent movement and suddenly it looks like he's going to make something happen you need someone that's a bit more Able to provide a lot more on the ball when you have it, and he wasn't doing that um, against Chelsea. So I would probably would de- definitely I would stick with Tavernier. Um, I'm just thinking I can't remember who played because Estupinian didn't play for Brighton. Uh, he was rested. I'm pretty sure he'll be back. And just I can't remember who played right back for um, Brighton in their in their game. I don't know whether anyone else can. I'm just going to look it up. But um, I just feel as though you might want to play. You might play Cliver. You might play Semenyo. Again, I just don't think they necessarily do the press. I think Cliver actually might be the one, just because I think he'll press better than Semenyo. Veltman Belt- um, played right back. Veltman, he's usually a centre back, so um, obviously had to sort of make make do with with who, who they had and played brilliantly. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. I think I'd probably play Cliver, and I think I would probably put Tavernier to the left and play Cliver off the right. But the good thing is you can play them either way. Those two can yeah. swap wings uh, all, all game. So that's, again, I, I'm exactly the same as Aaron. I The only change I would make with Dango. The midfield definitely doesn't change. Yeah. Back four definitely doesn't. Neither does Solanke. So, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be Dango. Not sure who for, but, yeah, I think, I think I would be the only change if he even makes that change.
0: Yeah, I think there's an opportunity to switch wingers anyway. I don't quite understand why it didn't happen against Chelsea, why Dango and Tav didn't go over, but we've got wingers that pretty much can play on either side. So I don't understand why we're we're not trying to do that and just give them a different fullback to try and attack. Steve, just very quickly looking good to see Adam Smith back in the squad. Don't think he's playing right back. Max Aarons, as I said, was a beast, but... Are you expecting the back four to be the same? Because Senesi's a good defender, mind. Yeah, I know. It's madness, isn't it? Well, one minute he's our best defender and then
3: uh, now he's not again. But I, yeah, Smithy thing, I think, you know, we've got the Stoke game coming up, don't forget. So I yeah. think, you know, some returning players from injury might get a run out with, along with some of the youngsters. So we might see Smithy play against Stoke, probably, probably captain the side or something like that. Um, and, and maybe some SE Meps as well. But I don't see it changing from this game uh, for this upcoming game. And I think John's spot on with what he's saying. You've he's, he's got to, I think we've got to, That that's Brighton's most productive area is getting the ball out wide and creating creating chances from getting the ball in. Um, Atoma especially is, a, is an absolute devil with the ball. Yeah. Um, and we need players that will we'll work hard both ways. And I don't it's a really difficult one with Semenyo and Clivert for me. I really I think both of them have made good cases in previous games. Semenyo at Liverpool and Clivert at Brentford. Um and both happen to be away games, but uh, but I thought Semenyo at home uh, was it Tot- Tottenham? I still think he was he was good then as well. He was probably one of the better yeah, I and mean, he was one of the better players that game. I I don't it surprised me when he's you know he was he was dropped, but you know, I suppose you're going to have to have the rotation with the amount of work they have to do and the mm-hmm. they wants from them. But, yeah, so it's, a, it's going to be a really tasty match, I think.
0: I am going to release the fans very soon, John, into the interactive chat. Give an early, early, <laughs> early, early score prediction for the Brighton game. However, I'm going to let you, John, have two minutes... Something new here to Cherries in focus. You're going to head over to the tactical coach board, and you're going to give us a prediction or something to look out for in this fixture on Sunday at the Amex. So take it away. This is John's This John's
1: Thomas Frank moment. It is that's Thomas <laughs> Thomas Frank. He's always got that board. Get your thoughts in the chat. Oh, that's well a good John's point. Speaking. I remember. I remember. Yeah, I remember that bit. He was sat with his own little board there uh, on on the on pitch side. Um, yeah, I've, I've changed my mind as to what I was actually going to look at because I thought it was going to take too long when I was originally thinking of what I was going to do. But the one thing in the first 20 to 25 minutes against Chelsea, the press for me just didn't work at all. And I was getting very, very worried. And the, the, initial, the initial sort of thing for me was uh, Steve mentioned earlier that Billing felt it felt that Billing was a little bit behind. I feel the issue was Christie to start with. Um, and I'll tell you why specifically. So here I've got a sort of basic setup of roughly kind of where the initial press you would imagine would be when you've got a three man midfield that sort of matches up against itself. However, as we all saw Christie actually acted more as a striker um, and was acting as, as one of the front two to make the press. And what you've got then here is this area in the middle that is completely unoccupied by um, that is, we're completely outnumbered on and you've got cook was going up against Enzo Fernandez and billing was initially starting on gallagher but was often pushing on to ugachukwu or rather was looking to at times he eventually kind of had to and the reason why is that when the ball was quite often played to silver on the left here you'd have silver sort of in this kind of position and christy what christy needs to do here is run in a way that blocks the pass through to Ugachukwu, And what Christie was doing was just not initiating that run correctly. He was running straight at Silver, which meant the ball passed him and you had one man completely available. And Ugachukwu got some pretty good stats because he had so much room most of the time. So what he ended up doing was while Christie started doing a little bit better, you eventually got billing having to make up for that by running onto Ugachukwu and intercepting, trying to let me just get rid of that, trying to intercept the ball. Because Christie wasn't making the right runs. And in the end, how often did we see Gallagher in about half a mile of space with a ball played long over the top to him and suddenly we're in a desperately bad situation? Now, things eventually improved. But considering we're going to play that again and you look at how effective Brighton are at playing every short pass, every mid-range pass and every long-range pass, I do wonder how... Iriola is going to try and set us up in the press, whether he's going to try and be even more aggressive, because we could have been more aggressive. This defensive line was too deep at times and allowed all this room for Gallagher. If you get the defence to press up a little bit more, you can actually deal with that a little bit better if you're being aggressive. You get Zavani to stick with Jackson, you get Kelly or Sanessi. Sanessi did this a lot, push up onto the separate midfielder when Sanessi was on, and then you can be a little bit more man-to-man. But if you want to go man-to-man, you've got to do it really well because Brighton will, as we've talked about, absolutely destroy you with the ability to pass around you. But I felt that was where, in the first 20 to 25 minutes, that midfield, and with Christie's run not being right, us trying to make up for it and it completely falling apart, we eventually got to sort it out. Um, I'd love to be able to look it back again and see what the other minor tweaks were being made. But if it just wasn't working right at the start. So I'm hoping that... Um, there's a there's a change up of what Iriola tries to do to nullify that long ball over the midfield, and it needs to be you need Christie to make that right curve run. Normally it's the striker that needs to make that curve run, but Solanke was I think was given a bit more of a rest in making that kind of run, um, and was able to get more a bit more aggressive with Silver and, and Disasi, who I thought had a, I thought Solanke had a decent game. I think he got a bit too much. A bit too much online was saying that he didn't do very well. I thought he was actually very aggressive and quite good. But uh, yeah, it was it was a tough watch in the first 20 to 25 minutes and things eventually evened itself out. But you can't be doing that against um, Brighton.
0: Yeah. Loads of gaps in the middle against Tottenham. Loads of gaps in the first half against Chelsea. And Ryan Christie, you do an awful lot of running. But John is asking you just to run a bit better, maybe differently. <laughs> just run slightly differently. <laughs> Right, it's time for your 60-second warning. It's very early. I mean, we're six days away from this fixture, but heck, let's go for it. What's your score prediction for Brighton against AFC Bournemouth Sunday at the Amex? And of course, I'm going to ask for their score predictions as well. Go on then. Let's put those score predictions in the chat. I maybe should have just asked whether we think we're going to get something from Sunday because a lot can change between now and kickoff. Let's have a quick look at the fixtures for next weekend. I'm trying to share screen, but I think John's taken over. I'm back in the room. there you go. Here we go. Match day six. Manchester City take on Nottingham Forest on Saturday. You've also got Crystal Palace taking on Fulham. Luton against Wolves. Brentford against Everton. Burnley, Manchester United. Chelsea, Villa. Arsenal taking on Tottenham. Liverpool, West Ham. Brighton, Bournemouth. Sheffield United against Newcastle. Aaron, have you got a Premier League prediction for match day six?
2: Um... Arsenal-Spurs will be a very interesting one. I think both teams are probably looking for top four um, this season. Spurs have started well. That'll be a hell of a game. Man United going to Burnley is not going to be easy. Um, Burnley, from, from all accounts, are playing pretty well tonight. Uh, already one up, at, uh, one up at Forest. so That'll be tough. Luton Wolves, again, a big basement battle. I think whoever loses that is going to be under severe pressure. Um, I think that is a really, really important game for both of them as well. Um but yeah, do you want my prediction for our game? Or are you was not onto that we'll yet. We'll
0: come to that in a moment, Steve. Steve, I'm telling you. Luton get their first Premier League win this weekend.
3: <laughs> that was gonna be my little uh, prediction just for you. No, I, I know.
0: I, yeah, I, I, to be
3: honest, I think it will come sooner. I think it's gonna come sooner rather than later for them. I think they'll get something against Wolves, I really do. Because I, I have been I felt they've been just lacking that slight bit of as we like to say, clinicality. Um, yeah. Maybe that's just Premier League class, maybe. But it's, there's definitely good signs there with Luton from what I've seen. Um, and if they keep plugging away like this, they'll get a win. Um, Gary O'Neill go 1-0 up. Then they'll stick everyone behind the ball and Luton will throw the kitchen sink at them. It'll be 1-0. Um, yeah, obviously the North London derby is a big game. Um, like Aaron said, both teams yeah. looking looking to be top four. Um Spurs actually surprisingly good, a lot better than I thought they'd be. um uh, Madison's obviously been great catalyst for that, along with the manager. Um, and even the sort of the back, you know, the, the, the new guy at the back, I can't remember his name, he looks pretty decent. So yeah, they look good. Um I'll go this will be my prediction, right? This will be my go for it. Burn- Burnley turnover United. <laughs>
1: Tasty.
0: Okay, right. I thought you were going to give your, your Bournemouth score prediction. Go on. Go oh, for I'll save that. Bournemouth score prediction. Oh, you want now? You're going to save it. Yeah, go for it. You go first.
3: Okay, let's go. I'm going to go for a one-all.
1: One-all. I think um, we love a draw at the minute.
0: Yeah, do you know what?
1: After so long we... without... Yeah,
0: <laughs> So desperate for Iriola to get that first win. Just tick it off. I think we're going in the right direction like we've said for a few weeks now. I'm clinging on to Brighton, playing on Thursday. Will they just well, that's slip the thing. up on Sunday? I think they'll have that little hangover. Maybe. European hangover. I, we'll, get a, we'll get a point. I mean, what's their only loss? West Ham? Okay. Um, I want us... Oh, of course I want us to win and, and I hope that we could win, but I'm going for a draw. I'm going for a T2. I, I think it's another Brentford Probably result. Desmond. I'm going for T2. Um, and that's, I've just copied Mark Cole because that's what Mark Cole thinks. Omid's going for 2 1, unfortunately, to Brighton. Ben's going for. Two-one.
1: I think that's a 2 1 win to us, I think.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, 2 1, I think. Um, 2 2 by Luke Andrews. That. Mark Singleton's a T2. Another point's <laughs> heading on the board for the Cherries. 1 1 from Cameron Meach. Uh, Morgan's confident going for an easy 2-0. Steven Dyer 2-1. Cherry's win hopefully. And 2-2 from Alan. Aaron, what's your score prediction in the Ooh,
2: game for this game? One of those head and heart ones. I, there's so much good going on for us. We're going in the right direction. I, I'm infused I'm, I'm for the future. But I think, I, I actually think this is probably our hardest game out of the you know, Everyone talks about our hardest, the, the hardest start out of the seven. This is a, probably our hardest game of the seven for me because I think, you know, I know we Spurs were great, but home to Spurs, if we could have got something, and even home to Arsenal, I've, I feel a bit more confident than I do against Brighton away. Um, so I think this is our hardest game of, of the seven. So um, my, my head says a 3-1 defeat, um, which is no disgrace whatsoever. But, but, as you say, there's a there's a little bit of my heart which is thinking they're going to be exhausted from Thursday night. Um and um, they'll have a slight little off day. Danny Welbeck will miss a, a couple of sitters and we'll draw two. <laughs> um,
0: Sammy said she's not predicting. We can't anymore. do that, Sammy. Well, come she's on. definitely in... not
1: after Aaron predicted it 3 1 the wrong way. She's definitely yeah. If yeah. comes in 3
0: anymore. 1, we might have to not let Sammy predict a score anymore. But uh, <laughs> no, come on, Sammy, put it 3 1 in. It's got to happen at some point. Um, John, your score prediction for Sunday?
1: Um, well, yeah, bringing what they mentioned in terms of uh, what Aaron and and Steve mentioned in terms of um, European hangover, possibly. um, It's interesting, actually, because obviously Aston Villa and Newcastle are both having their first games in Europe after quite some time as well. So it'd be interesting to see how they cope with that. But um, I still can't see us getting anything from this game. I don't think even even a mild hangover, uh, they could still make eight changes and they'll still be doing brilliantly. I... I will mirror Aaron's score. I was going to say 3-0, but I will I will be positive enough to say that we'll score. Um, I think Solanke will get another goal on the board. He'll be one every other game if he does that, um, starting the season very nicely. Um, I reckon, yeah, 3-1 loss, but I think Solanke will, will grab us a consolation. But the beauty of the beautiful game... Is that football can play its part, and
0: you just never know. Could hey, we, think we potentially could... burst the Brighton bubble?
3: Well, we could do because let's let's be honest. All these games we've had, and as hard as they've been, I've I felt we've been in every one of them. Yeah, we've yeah. we've not could be completely outplayed in any of these games or anything. We've we've been definitely even the Liverpool game. You know, we were in that game. It's just silly little mistakes which we're ironing out. Oh, sod it. I'm going to say 2 1 to us.
0: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and do you know what? I said it last weekend. I said we'd get a penalty, and we were about five inches away from getting one. Yeah. So this time, Ben says it's first penalty on Sunday. And I think we should keep sharing it around between fans until we finally get a penalty. So penalty, ben, red up.
3: card. With the, we're in. Absolutely. Red card right. for them, There's... obviously.
0: It's been great to catch up <laughs> with you interactively on YouTube. Thank you for checking us out. If you're listening to us on the podcast new, go and follow us on Spotify and some of the other ones that we're currently on. We're still not yet on Apple, but we are, we are still on Spotify. So hopefully you've got that one. Wings diving in quickly for a Brighton 2, Cherries 2. Right, rest of the week, you may see a video come out later in the week as we speak to a famous journalist who likes Bournemouth and works for Sky Sports so check that one out coming talking about Bournemouth in the transfer window John are we on for a watch along on Sunday
1: uh we might be um I'll get back to you on that one but I'm fairly certain that we will be but uh, we'll, we'll confirm that in the days to come
0: okay so maybe a watch along on Sunday match day blog I'll try and get out for you on Monday smash the like hit the notification bell subscribe help us as we head towards 2000 subscribers steve great to see you again great to see you yesterday thank you very much have a good week yeah love nice to
3: see you all sorry for balls and everything up last week with my crappy internet but hopefully today was
2: much better
0: you are back Aaron. great to see you again nice red top see you on the next one
2: yeah thanks for having me on look forward to seeing you all very soon
0: John, if you have a watch along on Sunday, do get behind John on the YouTube and uh, have a good one if you're there. Thanks for joining us. See you on the next one. It's your turn to change shirts next time. I was in yellow and blue initially, so it's your turn next time. <laughs>
1: Yes, I did volunteer, but you said you like the purple shirt, so you I went did. and put that on. Um, yes, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, please do, please do get involved if I do a watch along. And um, beat the drop should me. also be back. Beat the drop should also be back uh, on Thursday, given the European action uh, and Nottingham Forest are playing tonight. So um, hopefully that one will go ahead. Uh, and please do uh, be the cherry's voice and join us for a bit of fun on that if, if when that goes ahead on the Forest Fan TV channel
0: fantastic we've slightly overrun on this cherries in focus episode 10 but we really don't care because we enjoy spending time with you interactively and live do have a good rest of the week do get behind the cherries you never know we could burst the brighton bubble get behind the boys we'll see you on the next one up the cherries a up the cherries <laughs> bravo